yeah, just excited about what we're doing. We're still going to the same place, um, November 9th through the 11th, so mark that on your calendar. Ryan Potter tonight brought um, some Lecrae concert um, flyers as well. That's not until after the flower retreat, but that's going to be awesome too. That's like the 15th or something. Um, let's pray. You guys pray with me? Father, um, Father God, we're here tonight uh, to glorify you. God, as we just sang, we sing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and who is and who is to come. Um, Father, you're worthy of it. You, you are set apart. You're holy. You're, you're the high and lifted up one. Father, um, you deserve all glory and Yet, God, just because we're um, the way we are, we give your glory to other things. And God, we're all worshipers. We talk about that plenty. And we worship all kinds of other things in this world when we should be worshiping you. And uh, God, so I pray tonight that through the songs we just sung and through diving into your word tonight, um, God, that we'd put you back in that top spot, that we would not worship other gods before you. Um, so, Lord, would you, um, would you be glorified tonight? Would your spirit come and fill this place, and would you be made much of? So, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, um, I'm, you guys, I'm really excited about this, this topic we're talking about tonight. Um, I learned this not until like three years ago, the, the general gist of what we're talking about tonight. Um, three years ago, which means I, I was leading tribe or middle school ministry for like three years by that point, um, I grew up going to church every single Sunday. My dad's a pastor um, from the time I was little, and I never heard about this. And that's not a horrible thing. This isn't like something brand new, but it was, it was new to me. Um, I went to Bible college to be a youth pastor, and I never heard this. And in the past three years, just understanding this about the Bible has given me um, more excitement, more passion, just more freedom as I, when it comes to like how I approach the scriptures than ever. And uh, so I'm very, very excited about it. Like I said, it, this was new to me and it, it's maybe going to be new to you and yet it's, it's not new um, from the time the, the Bible was written. It's in there um, and it's important to understand. For example, um, what I found was it started showing up everywhere after I learned this and all kinds of books and different uh, sermons I heard from different people, and even in uh, this children's Bible that we got. So this is, this is called the Jesus Storybook Bible, and we got this for my oldest daughter, Chloe, my only daughter, Chloe, when she was young. It's a popular um, Bible for little kids. In fact, Jeff and Christina Dart were the ones that um, told me to get it. And uh, I'm going to read um, just a little part of it. Um, children's Bible, that's what we're looking at tonight, huh? How about that? I know you guys aren't little children, but this is, this is an incredible, I mean, it's just a great, it's not, it doesn't have every story in the Bible in it, but this is part of the intro, and the words are going to be on the screen. It says, now some people think the Bible is a book of rules, telling you what you should and shouldn't do. The Bible certainly does have some rules in it, they show you how life works best. But the Bible isn't mainly about you and what you should be doing, it's about God and what He has done. Other people think the Bible is a, is a book of heroes, showing you people you should copy, the Bible does have some heroes in it, but as you'll soon find out, most of the people in the Bible aren't heroes at all. They make some big mistakes, sometimes on purpose. They get afraid and run away. At times, they are downright mean. No, 
The Bible isn't a book of rules or a book of heroes. The Bible is most of all a story. It's an adventure story about a young hero who comes from a far country to win back his lost treasure. It's a love story about a brave prince who leaves his palace, the throne, everything to rescue the one he loves. It's like the most wonderful of fairy tales that has come true in real life. You see, the best thing about this story is it's true. There's lots of stories in the Bible, but all the stories are telling one big story, the story of how God loves his children and comes to rescue them. It takes the whole Bible to tell this story, and at the center of the story, there's a baby. Every story in the Bible whispers his name. He's like the missing piece in a puzzle, the piece that makes all the other pieces fit together, and suddenly you can see a beautiful picture. And this is no ordinary baby. This is the child upon whom everything would depend. Um... That was huge for me, and uh, that's where we're going tonight. I want to, let me repeat that, that one sentence in there again. She writes, there's a lot of stories in the Bible, but all, all the stories are telling one big story, the story of how God loves his children and has come to rescue them. Um, so that's where we're going tonight. If you, if you missed last week, um, if you're new tonight, this is week two in a new series we started um, called The Bible is Big, and so last week, if you weren't here, Jeff talked to us about um, how the Bible is totally and utterly different from every other book, and how, I mean, it's God's Word, and so it gives life, and it gives freedom, and um, he said, his main point was this, you remember this? He said, how you see it, how you see the Bible determines if you'll read it, and so he talked about, I just love that story about how that girl is like willing to die for it. She has a new freedom found in Scripture, but she's also willing to give that up because she loves the book so much, and so that's why we gather, and there's churches throughout the nation gathering tonight to open up this book, and churches every Sunday open this book. Um, but so, here's the thing. For some of you, Jeff didn't really go into this last week. I want you to know where we're going in this series. I want to kind of give you a heads up. So, um, here's the thing. We want to give you in this series, I don't know how to, how to best put it. We want to give you a foundation and a framework for how to approach the Bible, um, where to start, kind of, with the Bible, like a big picture understanding of it. Um, for many of you, you feel like, you probably feel like this, I know I'm supposed to read the Bible, I even feel guilty when I don't, uh, I know I'm supposed to obey the Bible, my parents make that perfectly clear, um, but the whole thing's like overwhelming. I mean, I don't know how many pages, it's huge though, right? It's a huge book, and all kinds of stuff in it, it's confusing, and what's the deal with What's the deal with all the Old Testament laws? And you say it's not about rules, but there's a lot of stuff you're supposed to do. And my friends at school, like, bring out the weird stuff. And I'm like, yeah, that's a good point. Um, so we want to give you a starting point. Like I said, we want to give you a foundation and a framework. We're not going to answer all of your questions about the Bible. That's not our intention. We're not going into some of the, these theological terms, like the inspiration of Scripture and the inerrancy of Scripture in this series. Maybe that'll come out in little parts. Um, at one week on October 24th, we're going to go over um, how can I really spend time with God on a daily basis? Like a very simple plan, I think, for how to have daily devotions, if that's what you call them, or like a quiet time. Some of you maybe are wanting that. A youth walk is okay, but it doesn't really do it. And so um, anyway, that's what's coming up. But for tonight, and actually for the next two weeks, we want to answer the question to some degree, where, where should I begin? Where should I begin when it comes to the Bible? And I'm not talking about like, oh, start with the book of James. The book of James is very practical. Um, that's not where I'm going. I want you to understand something before we go there. Um, 
Here's a couple of like kind of common questions. A lot of people maybe say this, like, isn't it just a bunch of random thoughts about God? Now, you guys don't, you guys probably don't think that because you come to Oasis most, most weeks, and so you, we look into the Bible every week, and you see different stories, you see different passages, but a lot of your friends are maybe like, Is it, isn't the Bible just a bunch of kind of random thoughts about God? Um, no, like, it's put together, it's, it's, there's stories, there's characters, it's true, you can find other historical books, you can find out who's read them, so no, it's not just random. Um, they might even say, whoa, 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 but like, who wrote the Bible? We're not going to go, we're not going to dive deep into that, but you're like, did God write the Bible or did humans write the Bible? You're kind of going to get in that t- tonight in life groups. Yes, there's human authors. Every book was written by a human under the inspiration of God. There's about 40 different authors in 66 different, um, 66 different books, and it was written over a span of nearly 2,000 years. And so somebody says, so seriously, you're telling me that's not random? 66 books written over a, li- a span of 2,000 years? And I'd say, no, there is one primary subject that unifies the whole thing, and we're going to get to that. Secondly, they might say, isn't it just a book of quotations? And you guys, again, you know it's not just a book of quotations, but we hear, you hear people throw stuff out like a lot. Like, people just love to just pick out a verse, and they're like, well, doesn't the Bible say, why are you eating, why are you eating pork, man? Aren't you a Christian? Like, doesn't the Bible say you're not supposed to eat pigs? And, uh, and I mean, maybe it, the word pork is actually not in the Bible. I looked that up today. There's all the, there's all those weird Old Testament laws. You're not supposed to eat shellfish. That's like in the Bible. Well, where? And so sometimes it's worth challenging people to say, like, where does it say that? Could you even tell me? But it's also understanding, don't just pull a verse out of context. You need to understand every verse has a context around it. You need to learn that Basically, the entire Old Testament needs to be interpreted through the eyes of the New Testament. So tons and tons of passages. Jesus comes along and says, I haven't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. And so he says, it's, it was written this, but I tell you this. And so he adds new commentary. Maybe you, um, Matt Chandler, who's one of my favorite pastors, always says, people, people say things are in the Bible that aren't even in the Bible. Like, well, you know, like the Bible says, cleanliness is next to godliness. And he's like, no, man. That's not in the Bible. I think he goes like, Thomas, Thomas Edison said that, or we don't even know who said that, but people are like, it's in the Bible. People, um, people I've heard this quoted, well, the Bible says money is the root of all kinds of evil, so you shouldn't have money. Um, that's actually in there, but it's not the full story. It doesn't say money is the root of all kinds of evil. Money's neutral. It says the love of money. And so um, it's not just a book of quotes. Be careful on your coffee cup verses, how you just... We're just going to pull this one out and stick it on a coffee cup. Um, stuff needs to be interpreted in context. Um, finally, one more. A lot of people maybe think, like, is it just a collection of independent books? I mean, Brad, you said 66 different books. Isn't it just a collection of, like, independent books? Um, and again, no. I mean, sure, the Bible's made up of, of books, and you read them individually, and you study them individually, but they should not be independent of each other. They should never be read. If you read only one book of the Bible your whole life and say, this is it, I get the whole story, you're missing a good chunk of the major message of the Bible. You can't, you read Jonah, and you might get a little picture of God's judgment, and if you've ever read the end of the book, a good picture of God's compassion, but you don't really understand what salvation is. You don't really understand how a Savior work, that you even maybe need a Savior. And so you could study individual books, but I want you to 
start to think about you need, we need to understand the big picture message of the Bible, the entire message. I want you to see and understand tonight that the entire Bible is saying something together, and each book says something that's kind of a part of it. So, to answer the question, where should I begin? This is where I, this is where I want you to begin. I would say begin by understanding the overall story of the Bible. And maybe this won't be rocket science to you, but this was huge for me. So you're like, well, what is the overall story of the Bible, Brad? So get your pens out. I want you to write this down. There's a lot of different ways of saying this, but I want you to see, here's my main point tonight. You guys don't miss this. And write this down. There's blanks to write it down on your note sheet. That the Bible is one book that presents the unfolding story of God's plan to redeem his people and the world through his son, Jesus. It's one book that presents the unfolding story of God's plan to redeem his people and, his, and the world through his son, Jesus. In a word, I'd say the primary theme is redemption. We'll maybe talk later about the phrase, the kingdom of God. Um, kind of how that like fleshes this out. But um, I've said over and over, you guys, in like the past year, that even understanding that the Old Testament um, builds up this tension, and there's tension, and there's tension, and there's tension, and it never gets resolved until the New Testament, okay? So if you're like totally just um, like, the Old Testament's so weird and it's wacky, and I have no idea what it's saying. So much of it, the, the, the prophets, some of the history books are like, Israel needs a king. They need a true, a truly righteous, godly king. And so the judges, God gives them a judge. And those guys, they didn't really work so well. So Samuel anoints Saul. Saul's the king of Israel. Great. Saul's not really the greatest king. Finally, David. David becomes king. David's a good king. But then he dies and some of his sons are like horrible kings. And so the whole Old Testament builds this case for like, we need a real, a truly righteous king. The Bible is, you guys, like this says, I love the fact that it's like the one true fairy tale, that there actually is, there was like a prince on a throne that came to a faraway land to rescue us, all of us. I honestly think like, I think some of the reasons, you guys, that we are so in love with fairy tales and girls, the reason you want to be rescued by a, a knight in shining armor and guys, the reason you want to live an adventure is because that's ingrained into us. Like, I think that's part of God's story just being written in, in us. Um, so here's the thing. Now, maybe you're thinking, okay, but Brad, where is this in the Bible? So um, grab your Bibles. I want you to turn to Luke chapter 24. Luke 24, this is the last chapter in Luke. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Um, Luke 24, starting at verse 13. So here in Luke 24, um, if you see the caption at the beginning of chapter 24, this is right after the resurrection. Verse 13 is right after the resurrection of Christ. So Christ was dead for three days. He comes back to life. Um, there's starting to be talk of that, but then we get to verse 13, and so it says this. So that same day, the same day that the resurrection happened, um, two of them, two of the disciples, were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about everything that had happened, and as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But get this, they were kept from recognizing him. 
he asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? So Jesus starts grilling them with questions. He's Jesus, so I think he knows what they're talking about, but he still asks the question. They stood still, their faces downcast, and one of them named Cleopas asked him, are you only a visitor to Jerusalem and don't know the things that have happened here in these days? What things? He asked. So again, that was Jesus. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied, he was a prophet powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. And the chief priests and, the, and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. So again, what's crazy is they're like, we thought this was the Messiah. Throughout the Old Testament, it's talking about this Messiah, this promised one, this, this servant that Isaiah talks about. And they're kind of like, we thought he was the one, but now... Based on what they said, they're like, well, I guess he was just a a prophet, just a powerful guy. Verse 22, in addition, some of our women amazed us, and they went to the tomb early this morning, but they didn't find his body, and they came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. So again, he, that is Jesus, says to them, how foolish are you, and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? Okay, so this is Jesus. He knows what's going on, and these two guys just get rebuked. But to them, it's a stranger. That's what I I just love. Like, we get kind of the um, audience's perspective on this. You know, like, this was told to Luke later on. Um, So they're kind of like, why is this guy going off on us? But he's like, like, kind of like, you idiots. How, How could you not see this? Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And this, you guys, this... Verse 27, this is a verse that I'm like, how did, how, how did I miss this my whole life? Like, where is this verse? And beginning with Moses, where's Moses talked about? Where? We can be interactive, it's okay. Gen- Exodus, somebody say Genesis. Old Testament, Exodus, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, where are all the prophets? Old Testament, it's like a, a, a quarter of the whole Bible, probably over half of the Old Testament. He explained to them what was said in all the scriptures. He's talking about the Old Testament. When Luke here says scriptures, they're talking about the Hebrew Old Testament. What was said in all the scriptures, what? Concerning himself. Whoa, whoa, whoa. No, no, no. No, see, Jesus didn't come on the scene until the New Testament. And so we study the Old Testament, and that's about Israel and God doing stuff. But Jesus comes to the New Testament. And Jesus says, no, no, no. Beginning with Moses and the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. He's like, hello, this whole time, have you not seen as you study the Old Testament? How it's, it's all pointing to me. Skip over to verse 40. So Jesus sticks with these guys quite a while. He's got this new resurrection body, so he just like vanishes. And then boom, he like, chapter 36 or verse 36, he like pops up with them again in the room, which is crazy. Um, verse 40, when he said this, so he's back with the disciples, they're gathered together somewhere. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they still did not believe because of joy and amazement, he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? So they're like scoping out his body. You know, he was just dead, right? And so he's got the hands and the holes in his hands and feet. Um, do you have anything here to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish and he took it and ate it in their presence. So he's not a ghost. He has a real body. But get this. So he said to them, this This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that was written, here it is again, that was written about me in the law of Moses 
the prophets, and the Psalms. I mean, those three things are the major sections of the Old Testament. The Law of Moses, the first five books, um, the prophets, like I said, make up a little over probably 50% of the Old Testament, and the Psalms, the wisdom literature. And Jesus is saying, all that stuff is pointing to me. All that stuff is pointing to you. Are you supposed to read the story of David, David and Goliath and just try to go out and be like David? Maybe, but maybe David was trying to point to his greater descendant who was going to slay the only giants that could really ever kill us. Maybe it's not really about us trying to model a book of heroes, but it's, a, it's all about Christ. Um, what's Jesus saying here? I think he's saying, you need to know that the whole entire Bible is about me. And especially, you guys, we get caught up, we get tripped up by the Old Testament. Like, what does all this stuff mean? And I think you, we have to look at what Jesus says about the Bible. When he speaks of the Scriptures and when he speaks of the Old Testament, He's very clear here. There's one verse in, in John 5 that you'll look at in life groups too that basically says, you keep focusing on the wrong thing and it's all concerning myself. Um, let me break it down to you in this outline form. You got your note card still? Most of you have that. Here's a, the storyline of the Bible is that top phrase, the storyline of the Bible. This is a very, very simple kind of outline thing. You've seen this before probably. The storyline of the Bible. Um, number one, the, the book ends. The bookends of the Bible um, is the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. If you compare and contrast the first first two chapters of the Bible and the last two chapters of the Bible, it all starts with God. God creates everything. They're living in perfect harmony. The kingdom of God is is present and it's pure and it's beautiful and it's, it's miraculous. It's awesome. And the last two chapters of the Bible, again, God is the consummation of all things and God comes and if you're a Christian here tonight, that's something we all get to look forward to, and that's a really exciting thing. So the, that's the kingdom. It starts with God. Number two, the, what's the problem? You've heard me say this plenty of times. The problem is sin. The problem is sin. That starts in chapter three of Genesis, and virtually the rest of the Old Testament is like them striving with sin. Um, the story of Noah, the story of the Tower of Babel. Um, I mean, all this stuff, even Jonah going to Nineveh because they're a wicked people and they're doing crazy wicked stuff. This whole, like, we need, a, we need a solution to this sin problem. Where is it? The, the resolution? Number three, the resolution? Jesus Christ. No shock there, right? Like, but that's what it's all about. The resolution to this, the problem is Jesus Christ. And then number four, what's the thread throughout the entire Bible? I said it earlier. I'd say I like the word redemption. I think there's other words that you could use, but the thread that kind of runs throughout the, the whole scripture is redemption. Redemption. Um, as you've maybe seen before, this is, I mean, this is really the storyline of the Bible. This is also basically kind of the layout of what the gospel is. Like we've said before, the gospel includes bad news too, but the gospel is kind of God the creator, man fell into sin. That problem of sin, hold up, if you're like, if that's always been a weird issue to you, think about this. We've talked about this a lot in Tribe, I know. God gave us a choice. You're like, why does God allow us to sin? Why is sin the problem? Why didn't... In, order for you to, in order for you to love, you have to have the option to hate. God didn't make us robots, and that's a great thing. Okay? So the fact that we have life, I mean, it's the craziest thing ever that God gave us a free will to choose to worship him or not. And I don't think he was caught off guard. It wasn't like he was like, dang it. They ate the fruit. I was hoping they were going to eat the fruit. 
Now what? No, I think the whole, he knew that was going to happen. He's God, he's sovereign, he knows everything. He had the whole thing planned out the entire time. But even Jesus is like, choice, you got a free will. Are you going to worship Jesus? Are you going to recognize he's the Savior or not? Um, and so not only is this the storyline of the Bible, it's really a storyline, it's the basic layout of the gospel. So again, the Bible is one book, did you hear me say it? It is one book that presents the unfolding story of God's plan to redeem his people in the world through his son Jesus. There's, obviously, there's tons of books. I'm not negating the fact that there's 66 individual books. Um, now, real quick, in closing, maybe you're thinking, okay, Brad, I, I get this. This is new. Maybe you're like, this is somewhat helpful for me. Um, I was expecting more, but okay, this is good. Um, I hope it gives you like kind of a framework to understand the whole Bible. But, but maybe you're like, well, what do I do with this? You're like, my problem is I don't read the Bible like I should anyway. And uh, I don't know how to change that for you, but um, what should I do with this? First of all, I would say this. Um, hopefully just knowing this is helpful. That main point, that there is, as this says to my little four-year-old daughter, the Bible has a whole collection of stories, but it's primarily telling one story of how God came to, to love and to redeem his children, to all who believe. That hopefully just knowing that gives you a little bit more understanding. So when you're um, which is actually the second point. What, what, what should you do? Whenever you read any passage of Scripture, you guys, any story in the Bible, sure, I want you to do what everybody says to do and to look at what the author is saying. Try to figure out what's, what was the author's original um, intention for his audience, and what is the author, how do I apply this to my life? But don't, from now on, don't miss this step. Always be sure to put that individual passage into the bigger story of the entire Bible. That it's not just about, okay, so what am I supposed to do with this? Um, David, okay, so I'm supposed to go out and I'm supposed to kill Goliath. And Goliath looks a lot like Frank, who bullies me um, at, at school. And five stones, so uh, I'm going to use my fist as my stone. And you could come up with all kinds of crazy stuff. You guys... Make sure you interpret the Bible how it's meant to be interpreted. And what does is, what is Jesus say is the point of all those stories in the Old Testament? He says, it's all pointing to me. Um, we're gonna, I want to end with um, this, uh, it's like a three-minute video. And it kind of ties all this together. And it's really, it's by this, um, this something called the Gospel Project, which I think is really excellent. And then um, Kevin and the band are going to come back up, and we're going to close with one final song. But... Um, you guys, let's play that video. Make sure the volume's up, and this is like three minutes, but it's good. <laughs> 